The Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast is a convergence of differing and opposing points of view that bring together legal operations, commercial, data, and tech. In these lively discussions, we show you how alternative legal service providers, ALSPs, can help transform your organization by leveraging technology and data analytics. Listeners will walk away with an understanding of how this powerful combination can directly impact your bottom line, help you extend the influence of your legal department, and provide you with an understanding of how AI can be leveraged to help identify opportunity and mitigate risk. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the second session of Exigent Online Legal Innovation Summit. Make an impact on legal operations that will optimise your legal department, create value and yield results. For those guys who don't know me, my name is Nigel Darby. I am VP of Legal Solutions for Exigent here in Australia, and I'll just be helping facilitate this session. Before we get started again, I'd just like to say a really big thank you to our panellists who I'll introduce very shortly. Also, a big thank you to you guys out there for your interest in the topics that we're covering today. We're living in a very different world to to what we were a month ago. And I think personally, it's really important to, in general, to stay connected. Certainly in this time where we're obviously a lot of us are working from home, you know, to stay connected with our colleagues and our peers and to our industry in general. Guys, the purpose or always exigent mission and the purpose of these types of sessions or these panel sessions just give an opportunity for the industry people to speak about their experiences, to share some insights into some of the things they might be implementing or doing in their roles, in their teams, in their businesses that may have worked, may not have worked. And I hope that you guys have an opportunity take some of that stuff back to your businesses. Legal operations, I think, in terms of a role in a department has certainly evolved over the last few years. And obviously, the, the, the legal department is finding its way more so as a, a, an extra C in a suite, C-suite, if you like. So it's an interesting topic to be talking about still. It's certainly still relevant. There's lots of advances in technology. As everyone knows, there's, there's different ways of operating and service delivery and operations as a whole, as I said, is just certainly evolving. So what I'd like to do just real quickly is to introduce our panellists today. As I said, we're, we're very fortunate to have some, some great speakers with us. So we have Anna Golovsky. Anna Golovsky is Executive Manager for Legal for AIG. And we also have Lucinda Fagan, Chief Senior Legal Counsel at OFX. We have Elliot LeBertbau, who's Head of Legal Operations for ANZ Bank, and we also have Karen Anderson, who's Legal Practice Lead, Customer Contracting, Legal and Corporate Affairs for Telstra. So, again, thank you guys for spending some time with us today. Thank you for the panellists. Karen, I know that we've been fortunate enough to work um, closely with Telstra for some time, and might have a slightly different perspective, although you've sort of, I don't know that you were in an operational role, but coming from a legal practice lead role now, it'll be interesting to hear your insight. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Karen Anderson. I'm the practice lead for customer contracting at Telstra. Part of that role, as well as being a legal manager of a whole team of lawyers who do all the bespoke contracts for Telstra, part of my role is as well as making our legal support of customer contracts in Telstra more efficient. And that's been my focus over the last few years. So what I would like to do today is tell you about some of the initiatives that we've had that some have been successful and some that haven't been successful and just to take some insights from that. 
for the moment, I'm going to park COVID-19 over to the side for a bit and just talk about what we've done over the last couple of years. And then I'm happy to take COVID-19 questions about impacts later if, if anyone would like to hear. So in terms of customer contracting, I found it interesting in the first session today how the talk was, you know, to get more data analytics and more power out of our contracts, we need to be pushing more standard contracts and we need to be making sure that we try and encourage our customers to sign up to more standard contracts. We obviously did that in Telstra quite a few years ago where we implemented a contract management lifecycle system where we were able to produce more standard contracts and it took away a lot of the manual work that my legal team was doing in just basically cutting and pasting customised pricing into standard templates and then issuing those contracts. And so a few years ago when we implemented that new system, that made a big impact on our legal team, just being able to transfer all standard contracts to the contract management team for production. And so now in terms of our legal team, they only really get involved in our standard contracts if we need to actually negotiate them. And so that created a big impact. But what I've also found, obviously over the last two to three years in particular, is that every other company has their standard contracts and every other company has their systems because they want all of their suppliers or customers to use their contract. And so you end up with the battle of the contracts. So when we thought, great, you know, we'll push the standard contracts to the contract management team and that will help legal. But we've actually found a steady increase over the last few years of the rate of customer paper contracts hitting our desks. And the review of those takes a lot of lawyer time. And at the same time as that sort of workload's been going up steadily over the last few years, our ability in terms of legal resourcing has been going down. You may have heard that in um, over the last couple of years, particularly in Telstra, we've had the T22 restructures. Just the size of our legal team, we just don't have the resources that we used to have. And I've got almost half of the team that we used to have doing this work now than we used to have sort of many years ago. So we need to come up with smarter ways of handling customer paper contract requests because they have been steadily increasing. So when we, I saw this problem a few years ago, we've, we've been trialling a few different ways of doing it because outside, I, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't been able to find a software platform that can handle the review of a customer paper contract well. I know that there are platforms that will review them in terms of issues capture but not in terms of being able to actually do what human lawyers do and actually review a contract, mark it up and be able to send it back to the customer. If anyone's got one, I'd love to hear. If you could uh, send it to me, that'd be great. But in the meantime, a couple of things that we've been trialling in Telstra, the first one what we tried was doing an outsourced initial review, particularly of the low value customer paper contracts we get, because they're really the contracts that our lawyers don't want to be doing. They just really can't see for a $50,000 deal, why are we spending hours and hours negotiating a contract? You know, we just really shouldn't be doing those kind of contracts. And so what we decided to do was, but we understand some low value contracts though can be quite strategic for our sales clients. And so what we decided to do was to do an outsource of an initial review. We based it on a playbook that we had drafted about how to review a customer paper contract. And we sent out those reviews to Exigent and to other companies onshore to assist us with that initial review. We set it up as a fixed fee arrangement and we got the business to pay for that initial review because otherwise legal wasn't going to be able to pay for that review because we felt that the value of the deal just didn't justify it. Now, we used that approach for about 12 to 18 months. But what we actually found in the end, even though the external review was very good and then what Exigent did and others did was actually really great and followed the playbook, 
When it came back into our team, the internal lawyers still had to spend hours and hours getting the instructions from the business to actually finalise the review to then be able to send it to the customer. And in the end, we discovered that it actually meant that they, they probably could have just done the initial review anyway and it would have been the same cost. So that wasn't the most efficient way of doing it. So what we decided, we shelved that process. And then I sort of realised that to actually really transform the way that we review customer paper contracts, maybe we had to actually go outside of the legal team and change the processes about how we deal with these things outside of legal to then make a big impact on how or how that flows through to the legal team. So last early last year, when Telstra was going through its big restructures, I was the legal rep on some of the restructure of the enterprise business unit. And I found an opportunity there to actually go in and encourage the executives to understand that this process really needed to change to actually create some business savings, not just for legal, but for delivery and actually has flow on impacts all the way down the chain for the overall business. So I managed to go through and restructure both the contract management team and the commercial team. What we did was we actually repurposed a pre-sales commercial team and turned them into an end-to-end commercial function. And part of their new scope was to triage customer paper contracts. So through doing that work, that got implemented and has now been in place now for about four months. We're still recruiting some of those commercial managers now, but I can say that through that restructure and through the new process of triaging contracts where the commercial team works with the sales team to work out, you know, is there a better contract that we can use for this supply? Because often customers' contracts are not the most fit-for-purpose contracts for the supply of technology or telco services, or maybe is there an existing contract that we could use instead of using this new bespoke one each time that would end up saving legal costs and other costs down the line. And so over the last four months using this process, we have managed to divert 16 bespoke contracts from hitting my legal team's queue. We've managed to save over, I I estimate, about $250,000 in external legal fees because we haven't had to mark up and negotiate those bespoke contracts. And that, I think, equates to about 300 hours of internal lawyer time that we have saved because we've managed to actually persuade the customer to use a much quicker system. And it's actually a win-win for the customer as well because instead of having to negotiate another bespoke contract from scratch each time, we've been able to settle a more fit-for-purpose contract, be it an existing contract that we've got with them, another government panel contract, for instance, or even a standard Telstra contract that is more fit-for-purpose. So in terms of those additional savings, that was great in terms of the you know money savings and the lawyer time savings, but it's also it's great for the morale of my legal team because they're now getting meaningful instructions from the commercial team around the customer paper contracts that they are being asked to review which is a great win. And also, they're now being able to see that they are doing the high-value strategic deals that they really want to be working on and not doing all the sort of lower-value stuff that they think, why are we spending time on this? So that's been a win-win for us. So there you go, Nigel. That's just some of the things that we've been doing at Telstra in the last year or two. Yeah, thanks, Karen. That was some great, great insights there and appreciate that. Lucinda, I guess from a different perspective again, it would be great to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. To a great extent, we're actually very different because ZoFX is an online FX and money transfer business and compared to the likes of an ANZ, we're, we're very small. So we are in financial services, highly regulated and a global company and we operate over seven jurisdictions. But our legal team is actually only four lawyers, two in Sydney, one in San Fran and one in London. 
Uh, in terms of our scope and, and what we have to manage as, as a very small and, and lean team, it is quite, it's quite big, but also in these strange times, we're actually pretty well set up already because we are a global team. So we're already very well set up with Zoom, Teams, all of that kind of stuff. The connectivity, I suppose, has been tested over the years because we're very much an online business. And so our team is very much online and um, we meet sort of weekly or fortnightly over video anyway. So by all accounts, we should be very, very well versed at, at doing the work from home and, and connecting in that way. So it's definitely different for our for our business to have everyone working from home. But because of things like our business is set up to be in the cloud, so we, it was very easy for us to sort of pick up and move and no sort of takeaway from our tech team. They did, they did very, very well to make sure that everyone was set up. But yeah, all our systems were actually ready to go. I think it was more of a matter of getting everyone laptops rather than actual connectivity. The other thing I suppose is in this moment in time, being an FX business, currency volatility is, is very much a good thing for us. So not only was it this huge push in terms of we needed to focus on our employees, connectivity, setting up the business, making sure it's continuing to operate at its premium. But also then on top of that, there was huge customer influx, transaction influxes. So it was a kind of a balancing and juggling act at the beginning, which I suppose then highlights the the processes and procedures that we do have in place. And for a global legal team and quite a lean legal team, the way that we've sort of managed some of the influxes and all sort of um, spikes in work and things like that. Some of the things we've, we've done is introduced a contract management system, so whereby it sort of captures all of our contracts. The intent is that our uh, colleagues can all self-service in terms of what the contract looks like post-signing. And the other thing that we found was that kind of to what Karen was saying, there's a lot of work and the work ranges from everything being sort of that that low risk but high volume all the way up through to that strategic sort of partnership enterprise um, stuff where we're working with our CEO or executives to get a partnership done. And so my day-to-day was sort of like everything in that spectrum. So how could we better manage our time and, and not just from a sort of time or a preference perspective, but more also from an efficiency perspective because obviously our business wants to grow and meaning revenue, not meaning team members in, in, in the legal team. So they're expecting more and more output from you, but obviously you, you need to sort of make do with the resources that you have. So another sort of option that we have gone with is to um, engage the likes of Exigent as well. So we've been working with them throughout just over a year and that we sort of use it as a, a sort of a, an extension of the team. So we instruct them for a lot of our contract reviews, being a tech company, as well, we engage a lot of vendors to help us process and, and get things going. So we um, a lot of uh, low sort of low value tech vendors, marketing vendors, that kind of stuff. So we push a lot of contract reviews. It's been a learning experience kind of to what Karen was saying in terms of whether or not they can absolutely get that review done versus then me having to actually sit down and go through the review. And then you kind of that point in time where you're like, well, maybe I should have just done it myself. But definitely in terms of NDAs, we've been managed to sort of get Exigent to pretty much manage all of our NDA process, which is really good. We have a lot of them, but again, I mean, they're, they're necessary and important, but it's sort of that low sort of value work. So that's been sort of, obviously, it's a, it's a growing relationship. It's it's changing all the time. And, and that's one way that we sort of manage the workload. But I suppose in, in terms of other sort of legal ops, I mean, I think we have a lot of great ideas. We're definitely looking to extend and engage with DocuSign because I think especially one thing that this remote working has, has proved is that the electronic signature is now king. 
And we're also looking to further just automate NDAs. So perhaps, I mean, you know, Exigent is still a human at the end of the day processing those NDAs, but if it's a standard template and you can sort of get it pre-signed and out to the prospective customer, that would be really great. And also just to, because we are a small team and, and being global, we kind of need to have sort of a, a more enhanced contract management system. So I think we have a system now where, yes, everything's housed, so maybe we've done the, the big work of collecting all the data, but now that data is only, I suppose, as powerful as how we can analyse it and access it and use it. So I guess that's the next step that, that we've been looking to do. Fantastic. That was really great insights there. And we have Elliot, who's Head of Leg Operations for ANZ Bank. So I thought there's, there's, a, there's three things I want to discuss today. I am going to talk about things in the context of the current situation, the coronavirus pandemic, and what it's meant for us at ANZ Bank. Three things I want to discuss. One is technology for connectivity and some of the issues that we've had, and in particular the differences, I think, on-prem and cloud um, that I've noticed in the market. Secondly, some challenges around assessing external legal spend. I'll come back to that. Thirdly, just a few things around staying in touch and how I think we've done things quite well. And I'm sure lots of people are doing things to try to stay in touch with their colleagues, but I think we've done some things well. And I think um, there's probably some learnings there to the extent others not doing it already. So that first topic, technology for connectivity. Being a bank, we take confidentiality extremely seriously as we as we must. And what that means is that we as an organisation have some services that are in the cloud, but we have a lot that are not. And we're not yet on the Office 365 platform. There's a roadmap for that in the future, but we're not yet on that now, which means that all of our emails and a lot of our other services are hosted internally or in an, or in an ANZ cloud. And I compare that to organisations that are mostly a sort of cloud first. So my wife, for example, works in an organisation where they primarily use the Google Cloud Suite for their email and for all of their, you know, word processing and, and spreadsheets and that kind of stuff. And that's even when they're in the office. And so what it means for an organisation like ANZ is that everyone runs all the sort of legacy Microsoft uh, services on their laptops and they take their laptops home and they connect in. And so in order to connect in, you need that connectivity infrastructure to be up and running and be able to handle the connections. And we discovered last week as an organisation that can't. Um, in fact, it was nowhere near where it needed to be for the whole organisation to be connecting in. And I think that's a stark difference right there because if you're a cloud-first organisation, you're pretty much already equipped to uh, you know, have everyone work from home or work in the office. It doesn't make a big difference. So what ANZ has been doing is literally building new infrastructure to handle that connectivity. As an organisation, we've had to prioritise staff performing critical activities. And what that means is we've had to, we've had to identify who's performing critical activities. And it's not necessarily senior people. In fact, often it's not senior people. Often it's ops people who need access to particular systems in order to continue doing what they do and to keep the bank running. And so that's been a real challenge for us. A lot of resource over the last few weeks has gone into identifying the critical activities, identifying the critical staff, measuring out the connectivity into the systems, and in the background, the technology team's building those systems and bringing people on in an orderly way. And it's been at times orderly and at times less orderly is, is, is the reality. So that's just, that's, just some, that's just my experience, and I think particularly the cloud versus on-prem difference there uh, is, is good to note. The second thing I was going to discuss reasonably briefly is assessing external legal spend. Like a lot of organisations, we know that we're going to face into a period now of much um, 
our profitability. I mean, we're lucky that we, we think the bank will get, will get through it. Not all organisations will, obviously. But we've been asked to look at external spend in general, and that will include legal spend. Now, I don't expect anything necessarily to be cut, but I think we're being asked to just look at spend and reassess, is it critical, is it critical now? And so what that's meant for us is we're going to need to do an exercise where we identify um, matters um, and just the basic question of how do we identify those those most significant matters from an external spend perspective. We don't have a billing system other than Ariba, and for those who know Ariba, I don't, I don't know it uh, in great detail, but the way we use Ariba, it doesn't allow us to get information on a matter level. We can only get information at a firm-by-firm level. So how do we get that sort of data on a matter level? To be frank, we're still working through that question. I strongly suspect that we'll have to go to our firms and ask. And I'm very conscious that those sorts of questions will take up the firm's time and resource. And I, and I, I we're going to need the information, but I want to make sure we do it in a way that's um, the least painful for everyone, us and the firms combined. Now, we already get some reporting for the firms, and so the very first thing we're doing is looking through that reporting to see what we already have, which I think just, just makes sense. But we're going to need to do this with some frequency. So how can we do it in the least painful way possible? And looking forward, I think this is a great little case study as to why a dedicated billing system would actually be really valuable. So that's on the external spend. And then just, just a few thoughts on staying in touch as an organisation and as a team. So when we first realised a couple of weeks ago, you know, that everyone was going to need to very quickly start working from home and we had these connectivity issues that I mentioned earlier, we, we started having daily calls with our CEO. So that is a, that's a call with the CEO and our 25, 30,000 staff, whatever it is in Australia. So it's, it's a, literally a big call. And they've been a real source of valuable information but also helping staff to know and keep abreast of what's happening for the organisation at a group level, particularly in context of not being connected anymore. A lot of them were not connected anymore because of those connectivity issues. So the CEO has been talking about things like what are we doing to restore connectivity, um, talking about some of our customer stories, what are some of our big customers and how are they being affected and what can we do to help, all the way to, to basic things like we've got a number of major buildings with tenants in the buildings who do run things like cafes. They have no business at the moment. What are we doing to support them? How do the organisations leave policies, support our staff? And other basic things like how do people get into the building if they need to and where do they go and what are the risks there and how are we managing it? And then the final thing, which I'm guessing a lot of people are doing, but if you're not, I highly recommend it. For my team, we've set up a WhatsApp group and it has very quickly become my most active WhatsApp channel. Uh, there was about 35 email uh, messages when I looked at it last night. And frankly, it's brought us closer, I think, than what we were beforehand. So if you guys are not doing that, I'd highly recommend it. Thanks, Elliot. Um, that, that, that's um, some good insight there. We might we just might move on to Anna. We're fortunate that we've got some, some obviously some pretty diverse businesses and, and you guys are from different um, businesses in the panel. So perhaps we, we can hear from you, Anna, and um, you can share some of your insights. Yep. Thanks, Nigel, and um, good afternoon, everyone. As Nigel said, um, I'm in the role of Executive Manager for Legal Operations and Agility at IAG, which is a retail uh, general insurer. My role is a dual role, so I head up uh, the Agility Legal team uh, as well as managing legal operations for the legal function. 
So the Agility Label team um, is an interesting piece of my role and it's quite interesting at the moment because it's a team that supports all of the functional teams across the label division and we support you know, the spikes in workload or the, or the special projects where um, teams need additional label support. So in the current environment with everyone in remote working mode, we've been really focused on ensuring that the whole team has visibility of utilisation and capacity in my team and using, you know, dashboards and Microsoft Teams to share that information so that people have real-time uh, visibility of, of capacity and utilisation. And I think that, you know, remote working has really illustrated the value of collaborative tools like Teams to share that information. And I have to say that one of the challenges in my role is that different people across my team have different willingness, not necessarily skill set, but willingness to get on board to use technology. You know, that is one of the things that I think that all teams need to be facing into at this point, especially in the context of bringing teams together and, and building connections. The second part of my role is legal operations, and I thought I'd share with you today a couple of the things that I've been focusing on over the past 12 months in my role at IAG and sort of highlighting a couple of the success stories and a couple of the challenges. So I think the key success story has been the implementation of DocuSign for IAG and for the um, electronic execution of all documents that come into legal and board services. And in particular, in the last month, this has had, you know, quite a, a good deal of impact on the team because of the ability to continue, you know, what is sort of a really quite simple process, but when you take signers and put them in remote locations across, you know, multiple jurisdictions, you, you, you can run into difficulties if you're trying to get a document physically executed. So um, I'm really pleased that that was one of the first things that I focused on when I came to IAG. And now I'm involved in actually projects to expand the use of DocuSign across the company for documents that don't come into legal and board services. So it's actually a really good news story in terms of legal um, driving operational improvement across the company. The second project that I've been involved in sort of touches on what Elliot was talking about before in terms of cloud and implementation of applications in the cloud. So our document management system is on-premise and is accessed via Citrix and we have run into some significant issues over the, over the last few weeks with all of our legal team trying to access that document management system via Citrix remotely, it causes some usability issues. Probably been the only or the biggest IT issue that our team has faced. All of our other IT is working extremely well. But what I am working on, and we, we are very close, it's a shame that we weren't closer, but we're very close to moving our document management system into the cloud. I manage into the cloud, and what that will mean is a direct access to I manage without having to go via the Citrix connection to cause all of the dropouts and time lags and freezes and, and so on. So we'll be going live with that at the end of April. 
And the only issue that I've really run into in the COVID-19 world is, I guess, the sort of allocation of IT resources in the mix of, of all of the complexity and urgency of other things that the organisation is facing into and, and just trying to keep this one on the agenda and on track uh, for Go Live. One of my biggest challenges at the moment um, and one of the biggest initiatives that I launched sort of late last year was we, we are conducting a panel, whole of panel tender in the context of COVID-19 and so I'm trying to uh, remotely manage a team um, right across the organisation reviewing our panel uh, tender uh, for the implementation of a new panel from 1 July. Or, or a refreshed panel from 1 July. And obviously that has challenges because, you know, our spreadsheets are enormous. And our, um, uh, you know, the, when you're working from home and on a laptop and with teams in multiple locations, it's, it's challenging. And so from a timing perspective, it probably wasn't great. But from an organisational perspective and a legal operations perspective, I think a panel refresh, a panel review, optimising uh, value from your panel, uh, capability and quality from your panel is a significant piece, I think, of a legal operations role in any team and uh, it's it's one of my biggest projects that's on at the moment. To support that panel refresh, I have a number of analytics projects uh, on the boil. So to, to try and build um, a better data capability to analyse the, the value uh, and the performance from our legal firms. And so just to give a, a very brief summary, we are looking at the insurance claims portfolio across the organisation and we are looking at uh, particularly the closed claims and looking at assessing our firms on uh, return on investment, fee invoice accuracy, settlements and reserves accuracy, and a number of other data points. And that, you know, it's the first time that we've taken um, a whole portfolio view across our different claims panels and really driving an analytical approach to the way that we are looking at our law firms. And the second project that I have on is to look at uh, fee, uh, legal invoices. And as, as you said, Elliot, obviously organisational view of legal spend is always a significant and interesting issue. So we are doing two things on that front. We are looking, we're doing a live invoice review of invoices that are coming in and assessing those invoices against current state billing guidelines. And we're also looking at assessing those invoices against future state billing guidelines, which we hope to implement as, as a part of our refresh panel arrangement and looking at where that opportunity is in terms of the, or the, or the gap, the difference between, you know, the current state billing guidelines and what we, you know, how we can assess out the invoices against those versus what else we could potentially recover or ensure our firms don't invoice us for in the context of future state billing guidelines that are enforced. On the team connectivity um, point, just to close, I think it's, it's always good to share what you're doing. We've got WhatsApp groups, we've got Teams channels, we've got a whole range of things, but 
We are doing wine o'clock and coffee catch-ups. We have, uh, there is an assignment for the whole team to look at a, to watch a movie over the weekend so that we've got something to talk about in common together when we get back next week. Wow. It's not COVID-19 related. And yeah, just trying to keep a good fun um, in the context of everyone working in silos. Yeah. As I think we'll we'll certainly see and we'll we'll experience a different way of working post COVID nineteen, that's for sure. And um those those ways of connecting each other is gonna be part of that. All right guys. Again, Elliot, Karen, Anna, Ms. Simmer, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast. For more information, visit exigent group.com. Subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes.